They're just trying to make it out alive. Not a lot of people make it out alive. Sam Neill is, imagine his dead, topless wife everywhere. It's very, like, it is. It's, <laughs> well, at least she's topless. Wow, hot. Welcome to No Films Given. I'm Curly. I'm Frankie. I'm Kyle. And uh, this is my week because I said so. And I'm going to like, because we've been literally like plowing the depths of what we're going to do, we're going to kind of cut it a little shorter today. And we're only going to do two movies each because I really wanted to kind of get some time to talk about these. And the category I picked was meant to be heavily interpreted or interpreted. There we go. Uh because my picks are childhood horror and childhood sci-fi favorites. And this is where this gets interesting, is childhood horror doesn't necessarily have to be a scary movie. It just has to be something that scared you as a kid, or a movie that, for whatever reason, like freaked you out or terrified you. Oh, I would have done the Brave Little Toaster. I thought you were, because last <laughs> week, or last time we recorded, you said you got pissed off at me for saying that. So, I thought you were going to. We had a, we had a side bet that that was the movie that you were going to pick today. Really? <laughs> yes, it is. No, see, I didn't, I didn't interpret it like that. I did a movie that... Well, you guys are going to make fun of me when it gets to it, but a scary movie. That's also kind of the intent of it. And then uh, childhood sci-fi. So it doesn't have to be like dark sci-fi. It doesn't have to be sci-fi horror. It doesn't have to. It could be just silly and whimsical. Something, something sci-fi. So I hate, that's what I did. I hate these episodes where I have to go last because I'm so afraid one of you guys are going <laughs> to gonna pick one of mine. But we'll see. Oh, you, well, I don't think so. I don't think I'll pick what you got but i don't know well, i don't know you hold on normally in the grand scheme of things you're the one that says your stuff first and i go middle and frankie no, goes it's third. whoever's topic it is goes first and then we just go around the horn okay well fine oh you freaking idiot oh god i hate you so much girl girl <laughs> so uh, what are we doing first uh horror uh, why horror? not so Ooh, okay okay cool so i you know there is nay a movie that i hold so near and dear to my heart for being a terrifying movie when I was a kid and having a long-standing impact on me. And that movie was the 1992 Stephen King's It miniseries with Tim Curry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because, and I will tell the story of this because my parents tell it all the time. I was so afraid of this movie as a kid that I would go around and all of our air ducts were on the floor and I would go and shut all of the air ducts in the house in the middle of the summer. My dad would come home from being underway in the Navy and be like, why the f*** is it so hot in here? Because and the shower it, scene? Yeah, because the shower scene and just, oh, it's going to come out and get me. Also, the whispering through the vents, the whispering through the vents. I, uh, I was afraid to go to the bathroom by myself. I was afraid to take a bath by myself. I was afraid of everything. And then at like four o'clock in the morning one day, my brother jumped out of my closet in my old clown Halloween costume because I had been a clown before I saw Stephen King's it scared the shit out of me. My mom has like a photo, I think, of me burying that suit in our backyard. Like, <laughs> terrified me for years. And my mom wasn't like, oh yeah, you guys should watch this. Me and my brother were like hiding in the shadows while they were watching it after they told us to go to bed. And my mom and dad were like, fine, you wanna you wanna just break break your curfew, break your bedtime? Come up here and watch it. And I was never the same since. So the movie is well known, so I'll keep this short. Children are terrorized by an entity 
that eats kids and usually presents himself as a clown. And then they go back as adults because they had made a pact that if it wasn't dead, that they would come back and face it once and for all. And they do. The miniseries was split that way specifically. It was, The book was not done that way. The book was done like it paralleled so they were both adults and kids throughout the entire book yeah whereas the miniseries split kids section in the first adult section in the second watching this movie now i laugh so hard every time because Just the performances alone are pretty good like tim curry tim curry <laughs> so tim good. curry deserved all the credit he has for this and i also so love good. how there are set photos of him just like sitting and smoking a cigarette in his like pennywise outfit just like chilling having a good like whatever just alone by himself the adult scenes tim curry just like does all these weird jokes and double entendre and he just <laughs> with him my favorite scene from the adult portion there's two and it was when uh the fat guy is finally like making out with beverly in like her hotel and he like looks in the mirror and he sees he's got like grease paint on his face and then he sees that Beverly is wearing these giant clown pants and he pulls away and Tim Curry just like peers over his shoulders like kiss me fat boy <laughs> <laughs> I cackle and um Richie goes to like the library and it's like hitting on someone he's like a little young for you Richie and then just like yelling like stupid jokes like crank call jokes because no one else can see the cloud. He's like, do you have Prince Albert in a can? You do? Well, you better let the poor guy out. He's just like <laughs> The jokes are the, are the most. So for this one, uh, since the, you mentioned that this miniseries is split into two parts, like the kids and the adults, is there a part that you preferred over the other one? So as an adult, I think I prefer the adult portion because there's a lot more humor and stuff. But it's trash. It's just bad. And then the, but the kid part is much like as a kid watching this, all of the kid parts where the clown is terrorizing them is terrifying. And like the shower scene with Eddie is not in the book at all because in the book, it's he gets terrorized by the leper that's underneath the house. Oh, yeah. But that didn't, they, they, could they didn't do it? I can't remember why. I think it was just because it was going to be too gross. And in the book, the leper is like, "Hey, I'll suck your dick for a nickel." Blah blah yeah. blah. And he's that like, "Happens in the second <laughs> This is a this is a made for TV. It was a made for TV leper. movie too. And then yeah, and in the new one, they did have the leper. They didn't do any of the sexualization of it, but they're definitely like they they did the leper and they did it really well. And then in the sequel of the second one, the leper vomits in Eddie's mouth to "You're my angel." <laughs> That's <laughs> so good. <laughs> but I'm not in control today. <laughs> um Yeah, uh I prefer like as a kid, like the first part was by far scarier. So I guess I would say like as a kid, that was my favorite part after I got over the fact that I was terrified of this movie. I think for me, the the part with the kids both in the miniseries and the new one, I think, is the more terrifying of the two. Yeah, I, I concur. Yeah. Which they so we could go on a long tangent about how this movie um, or this book is has so much like it talks about the macroverse and the there's a giant turtle that is like the big good entity and the clown is actually the evil dark entity that isn't really a clown. There are parts in the book where the clown literally rips a kid's 
head and spine out of his body to eat him and there's also like there's a there's weird sex orgies in it they're really dense that's that's how they like kill him well not kill him but put him away the first time right no it's how they have an orgy with the girl they escape because what basically it's like peace and love the clown like like them yeah they um their bond is what helped them stop it in both the first and second one. Yeah. And after they, quote, defeated him as kids, their bond started to slip away. So they were lost in the sewers and they couldn't get their way out. So Beverly was like, well, I've heard that this brings people together. So she takes all of the boys' virginities. It's very inappropriate and very. it doesn't make any sense and Stephen it's, King it's a, it's a little much Stephen it's King. a little much and Stephen King himself has been like yeah that maybe was a little too much <laughs> there's so much in Stephen King books that are like that that just let me just have little kids having sex with each other come, come so out of the blue there's, it's just you know I think he's talking of, out of the blue which I guess it was kind of in the book but the part of the miniseries that always because I, I found the I found Tim Curry's performance very terrifying and the clown very terrifying but when you get to the adult part and then when they start facing him at the end and it just turns into this really, yeah, the, the giant spider crab spider thing, which it's, it's it, just, you're just like, oh, well, okay. they, like, again, the book, they to defeat the clown, they basically have a mental battle of wills where the dude gets caught in the deadlights and then it's basically floating in space. And the ritual of shoot or whatever that they tried to talk about in the new movies is basically it's a mental battle of wits where they metaphorically bite each other's tongues and tell each other jokes until one of them gives up. That's how they defeat it. And and Stephen King. There, is, there is a physical embodiment, which they explain in the first one. They don't really explain it in the second one. But because the clown is like this otherworldly being, human brains cannot comprehend what it would actually look like. So the closest thing is, oh, excuse me, um, is <laughs> me too. a... Uh, is that a weird, like a kind of spiderish thing? And in the book, there are also eggs everywhere. Like the thing is breeding, so they have to like kill all the eggs. So, like, it was just the claymation stop motion crab spider thing looked really bad. I want to give credit for the fact that they at least tried. They tried to do, I think, the book justice, but I think when you you're so used to seeing Tim Curry as the clown for so many of the miniseries episodes. And then when he turns to the spider, you're like, huh? <laughs> you're why, like, why does this suck so you're bad? Like, what, what happened? It was so good. And like, there's a lot of really big name people in this miniseries, which I thought was interesting. They obviously only had a, a really small budget, but they had, what was it? Was it River? Not River Phoenix. It was one of Seth Green was Seth, one of the kids. Seth Green was one of the kids. I don't think I don't I can't remember if it was River Phoenix or who, but he a child actor that died pretty young. Um, yeah, who was the guy that had the heart attack? Um, he was one of the adult John kids. Ritter. John Ritter. John Ritter. Yeah, John Ritter was in it. The girl or the lady that plays Audra, who she had a bigger part in the in the miniseries, a huge part in the book, and then no part in the remakes, which was kind of interesting. She's a really well-known Canadian horror movie actress. Like, she was in, um, what was the, oh, Black Christmas. Like, she did a bunch of old-school oh. horror movies, and, she like, she was good. Um, John Ritter, the, um, not Seth Green character, um, 
shit. Uh, the the girl that plays Beverly and the young ones famously went on to be the weird girl in Ginger Snaps, which is another like cult favorite horror movie. <laughs> but anyway, I thought that the, I picked that for this topic because it had such a like <clears throat> integral part of my childhood like scary movie. Like my I all love scary movies. I always have like Nightmare on Elm Street, one of my favorites. Because, like, I saw this one and I was like, oh, this is really scary. And it had such, like, an imprint that then when I went on to watch other movies, I just found them so funny and enjoyable. Yeah, I think the It miniseries had such an impact on a lot of people that it really set the standard for even the remakes. Like, people were comparing the new the new movies, which I think they were pretty entertaining. But the miniseries, even though it was, like, early 90s, set a gold standard for an It I think cinematic that, telling. You I know? think the w- at watching it as a kid, like, and for the time, the 92 miniseries is scarier than the remake. I think that the remake yeah. had scary parts, but it was also very like, it was more like coming of age children's movie. But it also had that scene where Pennywise starts doing like the Russian up and down dance in front of the CGI <laughs> oh, fire. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, like the movie was good. And then I saw that. I'm like, this is, it's like seeing the fucking spider in the first one. You're like, yeah. what, it, what am I even watching? I right think that's now? the direction they kind of took, not to get off topic from the miniseries, but going into like the, the second movie was, I guess it's harder to be scarier with adults, you know, yeah. than it is with, with the kids. I thought the adult casting was fantastic, but it definitely oh, Bill, wasn't as Bill scary Hader. as Bill the Hader first so the first part. Bill Hader killed it. And they, oh, he and was, he was so, so good. And they added it, but they added in, like, they added things that they didn't need to. Like, they added in that he was basically gay and in love with Eddie, which was not in the book. But, okay, represent. I'm happy. But, um, what, so, a lot of people were upset about some uh, a couple things from the original, which was in the book, the clown is such an ingrained part of the town's history that the reason like the town, ta- everything is so awful and there's bullies and all this stuff is because the clown the entity is there. Mm-hmm. And the first scene of the book is that horrible, like gay bashing where they throw the dude off the, the bridge, bridge yeah. which oh, yeah. people were like, we under, it was the nineties. Like they understood why they couldn't do it at the time, but it was still like kind of integral to show how evil the town was. Yeah. And then they did it in the remake, the sequel movie. And I remember sitting there with my family and we were all like, what the actual f-? like that was, that was hard to watch. No, and- they did a full send. Like I remember reading that chapter and I thought they kept it pretty accurate to the book you know as gruesome as it was they yeah. showed just how terrible this the city entity has an influence on the town and they did do that in the remake what they didn't do in the original was in the remake like you see like the parents are all watching like the kids show like it's like oh pennywise is here it's like kill them all and just going through and then like when eddie's like getting harassed by the clown and the Paul Bunyan statue, all of the people in the town like turn around or like swaying as he's singing. It was very like the new one was very a lot creepier in some aspects, but I wouldn't say it was particularly scary. The original scared the shit out of me as a kid, which is why I loved yeah, it, which is why I'd pick it. Did you ever I was see four years old? I was four <laughs> years old. <laughs> that seems I was, inappropriate. I had nightmares until I was eight. <laughs> Did you ever see the fan theory that, it and Mary Poppins are in the same universe. <laughs> because they can fly you, around, you but he just uses one? balloons. He's the bad entity. She's the good. Like, he feeds off of fear. She feeds off of joy. She comes around, especially with the new Mary Poppins returns. She came back 25 years later. He comes back every 27 years. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> you ever see that? I find that hilarious. I'm sure P.L. Travers would be rolling in her grave to hear you say that. 
Ah, she'd like it. Yeah, she didn't even like Dick Van Dyke. Right. Or the animated penguins. <laughs> anyway, that's why I picked it, because kind of on the nose for the topic, but it did have such an important part of my childhood. All right. Let's go Frankie Middle. Yeah, I think uh, for me, I did another on the nose. This is this is a movie that I saw at a younger age, and it kind of just... Is it Child's Play? No. Okay, good. But since, I, <laughs> since, I, since I mentioned it last time, I decided not to let that be the pick since I already explained that that had a big impact on my childhood. This one was a little bit later. So this this pick, I did Jeepers Creepers. Ooh. Oh, I, I have lots of tea about that this movie, movie too. I yeah. love that movie. <laughs> While this, you know, I won't get into the sequels. The sequels, uh, they weren't as uh, as good. The second as, one was as fine. the original. The second one was fine, you know, but it wasn't, it didn't have, which we'll talk about here in a second, I guess the mystery yeah. of the the creature, the creeper. That's another one. Doesn't he because, come back every 30 years or yeah, something? Yeah, he comes back every 23 years. And, They're all uh, in the same What universe. is it? Is it 23rd spring? The 23rd spring. So like, to uh, eat. They wrote it that way, or the original writer wrote it that way, because he didn't want too many sequels to be spawned off of uh, this creation. Well, unfortunately for him, there is a fourth one coming out this year. Uh, well, hopefully it's better than the third because the third one was rough. Was oh yeah, the car was alive. It was very that was weird. rough to sit through. So <laughs> for those that have never seen Jeepers Creepers, it's about this sister and this brother who are on spring break from college. Justin Long. Justin Long. This is one of his My earlier guy. earlier movies, and he's the star. Uh, so they decide to take the trip home, but instead of going the main way, they decide to cut across the country in their old little car. And uh, are they in Texas too? Ugh. Some somewhere somewhere yeah. in the country. The South sucks. But I, I don't I don't agree. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, there's people in the South listening to this podcast. <laughs> I am in the South. I'm to in the South podcast. recording this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, they come across this truck that kind of runs them off the road and kind of. <laughs> push it along the driver behind this truck is not human he's a creature that comes alive every 23rd spring and he regenerates himself by consuming things or people that he's able to sense like organs and things within them and he chooses them that he needs to survive and he chooses them by scaring them because he smells the fear and by smelling their fear he determines what part of their body that he wants and to regenerate himself, he has to eat that body part. So by running these two siblings off the road, he determines what body parts of theirs that he wants. And so the whole movie is them trying to get away from this creature. But they don't know it's a creature just yet. And it gets... They think it's a real person. A real like person. Trying to murder them. Which I thought what was so good about the first one is you don't know what this is. As it slowly builds, you know, like first you think it's a person who drives this creepy old truck who's just like being a serial killer because they do find this truck. They follow it after it runs them off the road and they see this person like dumping a body into this old southern church that's kind of abandoned and creepy looking. Weird metal tunnel. And I like that on all the lists of like dumb characters from movies doing stupid things just along going down this tunnel to be like, I wonder what's in that bag yeah, that looked like was, a body. <laughs> and it was very meta because the sister was like, if this was a scary movie, this would be really dumb right now. Like, this is the part where people in the audience would be really mad right now. <laughs> so, and, like, and they were. They were. They called themselves out for it. But yeah, he goes down into this tunnel and he finds that on the wall are just plastered 
bodies from like all these different ages and they're all mummified from like different eras and it's just terrifying and they're like obviously different parts of them are missing and the the body that was dumped down there was like this guy who's missing i forgot what he's missing like a tongue or something and so that alone just kind of sets the tone for the whole movie so you know you're dealing with something that's capable of just something that's crazy just seeing all these bodies plastered all over the ceiling and wall just up there. I, I really like this movie. I used to love it as a kid, but I have one very distinct memory of this. And we saw it in theaters. Me, I used to go, <clears throat> excuse me. I used to go to the movies all the time with my uncle and we're watching it. And like you said, you don't know what it is until towards the end, right? You know, right. the climax of the movie. And so the guy, we mentioned his truck and he has a license plate on it that Ooh. says, it says B. It's, it looks like it says beating you, yeah. which then you come to find out he's eating these people. So it, it is be eating you. So then finally on the big reveal, when it's this big winged monster thing, my uncle just goes and out loud in the middle of the theater goes, where the f*** did he get personalized plates at? <laughs> <laughs> and now I can't watch this movie without like. Well, he's not wrong. Where did this fight, did this monster stand in line at the DMV to get these fucking <laughs> plates? So I remember watching this movie with my brother, and they're like beating you, beating you. And I look at it, and without skipping it, I was like, "Be eating you!" And like I called it real, like because I'm one of those people. Like I'm gonna call every mystery and everything. I'm gonna call it. Well, you watch enough scary movies, you start figuring it out. You start figuring it out early yeah. on. I think if you watch enough, you start figuring it out more than. The, the average audience will, you yeah. know, just because you, you watch them so often. So I'm going to take us down a sad, a dark path for a second. I like how we talk about childhood horrors. And this is like the movie you picked, knowing that the director is actually a convicted pedophile. Yeah, the director is. I did not pick this knowing this. <laughs> Inappropriate. I made, I made him do it. I no, him no, it. like uh, definitely did not pick this movie because of him. Because, yeah, that was uh, that hit the news cycle. What was it like 10 years ago? At this point? It, it hit like- relatively quickly, especially, I think, after the because that the first one was more like independent. Like it wasn't super studio backed. like it was small, smaller budget. Small and then budget, when they yeah. were they announced they were doing the second one and it had gotten more traction. That's when all the stuff kind of came out and about. And a lot of people were boycotting stuff. And I can't remember if he did the third one just to kind of be like an F you to people or what happened. And I think the fourth one, I don't know if it's the same He's writer director. I think probably it's not going to be attached to it. I highly doubt in especially in today's climate he's not gonna be attached to that movie the second one is that where uh it's the high school kids on the school yeah. bus yes i actually that, watched that movie like two weeks ago is that also where i think it's the beginning where the old man is like sitting in his barn with a shotgun pointed at it that's and he's the like, end that's yeah. the end of the second one mm-hmm. and he's like pinned up the jeeper creeper monster whatever is pinned up on it's it. like what are you that, waiting for yeah. another two days he's like so. the, uh, yeah. that he's like if you ordered billy up. bob thornton from wish that's what you would get <laughs> yeah very very bad <laughs> yeah um I think my favorite part of the first one is just like the unknown of it all was very interesting. It was like you actually had to pay attention to see what was going on. And that weird old lady that they got who is does a few random commercials and stuff every now and then. But they like she was very psychic. The psychic lady. Yeah, absolutely. I hear them song playing in the background while someone screams. You're like, who is it? 
bitch and like she doesn't tell them for like 30 yeah. minutes and then she just looks at the Isn't that, son that's like when they go they're in like a school or a building or something they're in a prison in a prison then the radio gets turned up and it's jeepers creepers yeah where'd you get them peepers yeah because that, that uh, song always after that movie that spoiler alert one of the siblings doesn't make it all the way through the movie and the peepers in the title song is because the person is missing their eyes at the end yeah so it is uh this is one of those where the art was better than the creator. I wouldn't judge this movie based on the writer itself because obviously he's very, he's got his own problems and problematic. But I don't think that should take away from how good the actors did and everybody else did on the set and how good of a slow build it was for a creature movie to have some realism to it, even though it was so far fetched. It was done so well that you could take this movie seriously. Yep. And it actually have a lasting impact and be scary, but also entertaining at the same time. Agree. Solid pick. Yeah, I love that movie. What about you, Kyle? Kyle. All right. So this is a movie that when I first, it's like one of the first horror movies that I really got into. And I thought because I like this movie, oh, I love horror movies. We all know that's <laughs> fake now. I hate <laughs> horror movies. But I would watch this movie constantly. And upon rewatch just the other day, it's not really a horror movie. <laughs> it's more of a science fiction movie, but I thought it was a horror movie. Uh, but it was, it is 1998's The Faculty. Oh, that's uh, it's so good. That's so, so good. good. And it is considered, it is considered a horror movie. It does movie. say horror. Absolutely, on, that's does scary. Say that scared me IMDb. as a kid. Yeah, it's absolutely. But what like, a, upon rewatching it now, it is very science fiction over slasher horror. And I know slasher is not the only horror like jeepers creepers i would think is scarier than the faculty but the faculty was it's a very good movie so short premise um takes place at this high school basically the entire thing and these shitbag people all of a sudden sort of turn nice they're trying to help the students with like the coaches the football coach is constantly yelling at his players and then he's finally like oh okay you want to quit you're good. That's the great care. Robert Patrick in there, the old yeah, T-1000 from 100%. Terminator 2. And then, so, the staff starts changing. They become different people. The nerdy teacher all of a sudden is the hot teacher. Which, by the way, great casting of Famke Johnson yeah. in that, because you're like, like, oh, she's a nerd because she wears glasses. It's the classic the hot yeah, lady. And then she wears- just suddenly becomes <laughs> yeah. hot. And, like, Josh Hartnett's character in this movie is horrible because especially because he's like talking to the teacher about like oh you want some condoms they're so-and-so flavored i'm like what is wrong with you so then the (laughs) students start realizing well this group of students and of course it's the ragtag it's the jock and it's the drug dealer and it's the nerd it's the it was cabin in the woods before cabin in the woods yeah it's the punky you know emo girl the this group teams up and it turns out that Aliens have taken over the faculty at this school and now the students and then they have to band together to try to, you know, save their school. The cast of this movie alone made it what it was because John Stewart plays like the science teacher, teacher, Famke Johnson, Josh Hartnett, Elijah Wood. Elijah Wood is the nerd. Yeah. Uh, What is the Josh Hartnett? What's the uh, he's like the stoner. He's the drug addict or no, he's not an addict. He's the he's just a seller. But all he does is sell like caffeine pills Um, in snortable form. Clay. Clay Duvall. Clay Duvall, Clay Duvall plays Stoke. Hold on. Punky. I, I planned this. Stokely. <laughs> I, I'm not going to lie. 
had the biggest crush on her from this movie when I was younger. Who was? Loved her. Oh, uh, the girl from uh, Fast and the Furious, which I can't- Jordana Brewster. Yeah, Jordana Brewster she was, was- She was uh, the yeah. popular girl. And that one d- weird dude who was in a lot of movies back in the day, but not so much anymore, who was like, he was the jockey one. Sean Hattisay? Yes. Maybe. The first scene of this movie was like really well done to kind of let you in on what's going on. Like the teach, yeah, the sure one the librarian teacher is like, get out, he's right behind you. And then she ends up slashing her with or stabbing her with the scissors. And you're yeah. like, dang, that was a good twist. No, I think if you've never seen this movie, I think the best way to describe it is Breakfast Club meets The Thing. Breakfast Club meets Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's even that's I would say that's even closer. Well, and they because that's they talk what it about, is. It's a retelling, basically. Well, they talk about like they constantly reference Robert Heinlein's uh, uh, not the it's not Invasion of the Body Snatchers. It's the Puppet Master. Yeah, which is essentially the same, same thing. thing yeah. But yeah, they uh they're constantly referencing that, and then um I thought that the twist at the end when they reveal who is the like the the queen the, the queen i was i wasn't gonna say queen i was gonna say royalty the parasite royalty whatever well so a, you know it's a female but um <laughs> the royal like men when, can be queens too uh don't look at me like that <laughs> um i thought that the i was looking at frankie when i said that i thought that the um uh just the build-up, the way they revealed that, the final uh, fight scene was really cool. I like the, like, oh, don't don't trust so-and-so. It's it's her. She's a queen. Uh, why are you naked? <laughs> Just, like, so, <laughs> so Yeah. So on the nose. It was so on the nose. Uh, I thought the creature effects were cool. Yeah. Like, it was, this was a solid for ni- movie. For 1998, the, the CGI special effects, practical effects were not bad. Because they do, they do do that mix of sometimes... The main creature at the end is CGI, but then also at the very end, it is a practical effect, which is which is really cool. That's always cool to see. I thought the way that they tied in what what the kryptonite of the creatures Mm -hmm. were, I thought because that ties right directly into the story. Yeah, because they're they're thirsty because they need water. That is it. So they find something that counteracts water. That scene it's one of the last scenes where the coach and the football team is out and it's raining and they're looking up at the sky and like the tentacles are flying out of their and face. And the lightning uh, strikes so and good. you see through their skin. Yeah. It's the, so good. The effects of this were really cool. The way they did all of the effects. I thought that the whole pool scene with the, like the creature diving in and then like shape shifting around dives in as human and then comes no, out dives as in as an alien as comes an out alien as a human. And, like there was just a lot of really cool parts and cool bits and every like there i don't think this movie was boring at all no no and uh i watched it with my wife she watched it for the first time and she loved it she and for being a 30 year old movie no i I, it's old because i specifically remember watching it in the third grade and after it ended third grade jesus christ my parents acted like members of the faculty and chased me and my brothers around the house, and that was terrifying. So, yeah, that was a childhood you're, horror. You're watching it at four. His parents are the goddamn faculty <laughs> chasing him around. <laughs> I, I, uh, you know what? The I 90s. was really worried that you were going to pick something stupid, and I'm I, really ha- you did a solid pick. Good I really though. thought you guys we, were going to make fun of me for that. No, absolutely no. not. We thought you, well, we had the side bed of the Brave Little Toaster. We thought it was coming. We thought that was going to be <laughs> your sidebar, pick. Which sidebar? Wasn't it? What was the, the big scary villain? Was it the vacuum? 
No, the vacuum was a friend. I don't remember. I haven't seen it in so long. It was something that chased them around. It was like Wasn't some it like type a of appliance. Or something? It was some type of appliance. It was terrifying. <laughs> I remember that as a kid. All right, cool. So we're going to take a break and come back to our second pick, which is childhood sci-fi. Guy. Yeah, so welcome back. Uh, the second topic I picked was childhood sci-fi. So this could be literally anything that you thought was science fiction or fanciful or whatever that has some tie to your childhood. And mine, I'm going to... And remember, guys, we don't repeat movies. So this might not be our favorite sci-fi, our favorite horror. Because, of course, we're all going to pick Star Wars because we're nerds. Ugh. Yeah, but maybe. I would, of course, yeah. if we're going to say our favorite science fiction, it's most likely going to be Return of the Jedi or Empire Strikes Back. But this topic but. specifically is from your childhood, which I remember Return of the Jedi when uh, being like probably one of my favorite childhood ones to watch, but it may not have had like an impact or an interesting story. So that's what this is supposed to be. It's not necessarily supposed to be your favorite, but it's something that like had some resonancy with you, which... I am going to, again, talk about horror, sci-fi horror, because I finally get a chance to, because this is my topic. This, is, it. this is your special episode. It's my special day. This is your, this is your episode. damn week. So I picked Event Horizon. Oh. <laughs> and the reason this ties into my childhood is because my dad, who I love very dearly, uh, let me go see this when I was like, it, I think I was maybe 10 when this came out. I, it was, or younger. Like, I remember going and seeing this with my older brother. 1997? 1997. So I was nine years old. So right around 10, which is what you said. Yes. Yes, <laughs> I also can do math. Thank you. <laughs> oh, Dr. Uh, so, Alan Grant is in this? Dr. Alan Grant is Sam Neill, baby. So, and Lawrence Fishburne? Yeah, and Lawrence Fishburne. Jason uh, Isaac. Jolie Richardson. Jason Isaac. It's a good movie, but I why it's tied to my childhood is I remember... Um, my dad took me, my brother, our like neighbor Josh to go see this movie, and I was obviously too young because I'm pretty sure it's rated R. Oh no way! Oh yeah, it's gotta be. It's Robert Jezik is in it as Rescue One technician. That's crazy. <laughs> Any okay? <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for you to elaborate. I was like, what else, so, what else has he done? <laughs> um, Tell me more. He was Rescue Technician Two in Aliens. No, I'm just kidding. I was oh, like, damn, he's, he's moving up. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, sorry, go ahead. I picked this horizon. movie because I one when I was a kid, like went and saw it and I was so scared of it for like no reason because it has horror parts in it, but it's also like more violent than particularly scary. They're really cool special effects and like the visuals in it were good. This is a Paul W S Anderson flick if of Resident Evil fame. Or over the top horror. Over the top horror. He is a uh, like so. If you watch it, and you can definitely see all of the Paul W. S. Anderson tropes of it. So the the plot of the movie is there is a ship that was built, and it was supposed to be able to do faster than light travel by essentially creating a wormhole and going from point A to point B instantaneously. So during the test flight. With the crew, it vanishes. And seven years later, there is a group of, of people who do not know why they're going. Sam Neill is on board, and he basically explains to them, like, oh, yeah, we got a, a radio beacon from the Event Horizon. It is orbiting Jupiter. And they're all pissed off because they think it's a joke. They go on board, and 
It's got all this gore everywhere. It's very confusing, just ship, and they're all getting very um, what's it, like disoriented on it. The Sam Neil is basically the scientist that created the gravity drive, which is essentially a weird spherical pointy stabby ball in the engine room, which like on the nose of like, hey, I'm going to create a ship that's going to do something scary. You know what I should do? Metal spikes on every (laughs) surface in this room and a very menacing orb that just sits there. And when the rings align, it opens a portal to something and you're like... Okay. <laughs> and they get like they're like, what happened to the crew? No one's there. They find out that the crew, like, wherever the ship went, they were all like they have this weird cut-up footage that they show, and they're basically blood orgying, murdering each other, cutting each other up. Basically, the ship was sent to hell. And now the ship is sentient somehow, so it's basically playing their fears against one another, and they're just trying to make it out alive. Not a lot of people make it out alive. Sam Neill is imagining his dead, topless wife everywhere. It's very, like, it is... It's, <laughs> well, at least she's topless. Wow, hot. The part that's, like, as a kid watching this, the part that, like, stuck with my brain, besides, like, all of the just stabby, stabby imagery of, like, oh, look at this perfectly normal spaceship that's also just terrifying to look at, there's a, a scene where one of the guys is basically kind of possessed-ish, and he wanders into the airlock without a suit. And they're trying to figure out how to... And he overrides the manual so they can't open the door so he then he comes to and he's like what am i doing in here what's happening get me out and they're like uh we're trying to rescue you and figure it out just you have to breathe all of the air out of your body and shut your eyes as tight as you can and he literally like you see the imagery of his veins like jiggling and shifting and then he starts fucking floating because obviously the airlock's opening and Lawrence Fishburne Right? Yeah. Just leaps in and catches him as his eyes are ex- bleeding, exploding, catches him, brings him in, and they're like, oh, how did this happen? Oh, because he went inside the weird ball thing and, like, had a episode. I, as a kid, was, like, terrified. I was also terrified of that weird redhead boob lady. And I was like, <laughs> all right, well, childhood <laughs> sci-fi. That was mine. I... For me, for this movie, I remember it specifically because we rented it, and I think we rented it just for the fact that Sam Neill was in it, and we didn't know what we were getting ourselves into, because this movie is wild. Wild film from start to finish. It is so wild, and I've seen people and film critics talk about it now, and they talk about how audiences weren't ready for that sort of thing yet in 1997, and I think maybe some of that is a little true. Maybe nowadays, you know, with things that we've been exposed to, that we can sit through a story that way and kind of interpret it and bring it in and understand it a little bit better. But I think audiences of the 90s are like, what the hell is this? A ship that goes to hell through a wormhole. I think it's fantastic. But also, (laughs) what the hell? (laughs) Also, what the hell? They flay a dude alive and show his organs falling out. Don't give too much. I think I'm going to go home and watch this. You've never seen it? I haven't, no. Oh, Jesus. It's so good. Does it stand up today? Yes. I haven't. You'll appreciate it more today. Isn't there like a director's cut too? Maybe. I think there's like a director's cut or maybe that's just something that's been talked about on the internet. 
I think it's something that I need to revisit because I haven't seen it since it we is, tried watching it when I was a kid from I the video store. I think it's free on streaming on Amazon because this is one of those movies that every now and then I'll be like, oh, I, I'm into like I'll watch something spooky and I'll put on Event Horizon. It's so it is very interesting and it's very like if you look at it through that lens of like I want to see like because there are definitely special effects that are like bonkers and you're yeah. like oh of the time, but a lot of it actually holds up in a way that I didn't like, like you said, like audiences back then probably were like, I don't get it. And now they'd be like with everything on like, Oh yeah, I get this. Also, uh, my last point of note for, uh, this film is, uh, we talked when we were doing our top favorites and I said, my top favorite sci-fi movie was the movie sunshine, which is essentially the same movie, but not gory. And did it, sunshine did it come out after. Yeah, Sunshine came out in like 2005 or 2006, oh, okay, yeah. but Sunshine by Danny Boyle is, uh, they sent a bomb to the sun in a ship and the ship went missing. So they sent a second ship that finds the other one and chaos ensues. So it's essentially kind of the same movie, which is why I probably like both of them, because I was like, one went the horror demon hell route and the other one just went like psychopath route. Yeah, Both are great films. A while back, I actually tried to download this movie, right? But uh, once the... From the Bay of Pirates? Yes. <laughs> I, I was interested in watching it, and I tried to download it. But then once the credits like came on, it was actually Event She's Rising, and it was a totally different experience. I don't know if you're joking or not, but probably. All right, a, lot of, a lot of dicks. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you so fucking much. All right, that's mine. What do you got, Frankie? Uh, So this one, I have been sitting on this movie for a while, so I thought this was kind of a perfect time to sit it or uh, finally introduce it. It's one of my favorite franchises of all time, and I will probably say this is the best direct release to video movie that I have ever seen, ever. And I think it holds the title number one for me. And... How appropriate because we've just lost this actor. He's just recently passed away. And it's Tremors 2 Aftershocks. Oh, here for it. So kudos to Fred Ward, who recently just passed, who was the leading man from Tremors 2. He was the second leading man in the first Tremors. Um, But I love the Tremors franchise. And I think part two is, I think for me, it's the best Tremors movie. Of all of them, part one is really good. It's the definitely the Jaws in the desert of the nineties. <laughs> Jaws in the desert in the nineties with Reba McIntyre. With Reba McIntyre, <laughs> perfect. Yes, yes to all. So, if you're not familiar with Tremors, uh, it's about to put it plainly, it's going to sound silly, but it's about these underground worms from this small town that eat people, and they are blind, but they sense vibration. So, the Tremors. little town has to defeat them in the first one. So the second one is about how there's some oil fields in Mexico that are being terrorized by the same creatures from the first movie. And they hire Fred Ward's character, Earl Bassett, to get rid of them because oil is one of the big exports for Mexico and, you know, money talks and they need somebody to take care of these creatures. And uh, I guess Kevin Bacon wasn't going to come back for the second one. So, you know, Fred <laughs> Fred Ward is the leading guy for the first one. I he, think was, Kevin, he was too busy drinking. No, I think <laughs> Kevin Bacon, I think, is notorious for not doing sequels. Yeah. Well, side, side, side thing is he tried coming back later on to play that character in a Tremor series that just 
had a pilot episode and whatnot, but it never got picked up. So it's out there floating around somewhere. So a lot of underground talk. I'm on a lot of these Tremors pages because I'm such a Tremors fan online. Ugh. So a lot of the <laughs> fucking, fucking lot of, nerd, a lot of a lot of forums, a lot of Facebook pages out there asking for at least somebody, you know, like Netflix or something to pick it up. But the, it looks pretty good, uh, especially compared to the most recent films. Do you think that but, the Tremors series is a ripoff from Beetlejuice? Sandworms. No, <laughs> I would say no, because just to be the nerd that I am in, I digress. So the writer, S.S. Wilson, he used to be in the Navy and they were doing some sort of project out in the desert and he was they were on a break and he was sitting on a rock and he came up with the idea of tremors because he was like, what if something was keeping me on this rock right now? So it just came from that idea. So I thought that was pretty cool. But uh, tremors too, they have to go and fight these creatures in Mexico. But plot twist. Plot twist. These creatures can metamorphose and we start kind of digging into a little bit more of their life cycle. So they think that they capture one of these giant worms that are 20 to 30 feet long, and they think they're going to be able to cash in on it because the, the Mexican government is paying them for every graboid, which is the what they call these creatures, that they can kill. So I think they captured one, and they're celebrating, but that night they hear some like crazy noises and whatnot, and then they go out to discover that something has come out of this giant worm and they don't know what it is and come to find out it's these three to six depending on which movie you talk about it's never consistent on how many of these little things that come out of this worm <laughs> but uh there's these heat-seeking bipedal creatures that go around and eat things it's very reminiscent of the uh, the matthew Broderick godzilla movie yeah they eat things that's all, that's all i remember from tremors too is those like the shriekers. The little dog things yeah. that are running around. And when they yeah. eat things and they fill up, they reproduce asexually, so they vomit up another one. So they're very dangerous. They eat things that have heat signatures. They sense heat like a snake, and they just pretty much multiply just because from eating things that are warm enough for them. Yeah. So it's it's scary, but it's also a comedy. I think it's got a lot of good moments to them, and the reason why I say it's probably the best direct-to-video release movie that I've seen is the special effects are fantastic because they still use practical effects for the worms. And when it comes to these new shrieker things, they do use CGI and this is CGI direct to video release in 1996. And while it doesn't really stand up to the standards of today, it's still really, really, really good for the time. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And it's just, it's, it's, I would say usually if you back in the day, if you go to the blockbuster you're either going to find Tremors and its sequels in the horror section, or you're going to find it in the comedy section. I thought we were depicting sci-fi. Oh, it is sci-fi with the creatures. Uh, it doesn't sound like it by where you can find it in Blockbuster. <laughs> Sounds like you went a little off topic there, my friend. Wow, I guess Blockbuster should shut down or something. <laughs> yeah, I think I think <laughs> they're done. They they miss they mistitled they, they miss genre Tremors, so they're over with. No, this is definitely sci-fi because of the the, uh, the creatures that are in it for sure. I I agree. I like this movie. I like I like the first two. I don't think I've fallen down the rabbit hole of all of them. Like no, cold just, day in hell or whatever. I I fall. I'm there for every Tremors movie release. I'm a diehard fan. I'll watch whatever trash you, that they see, produce. Did you see <laughs> Tremors Shriekers Island? Yes, I did. I just googled. Of course, I'm googling <laughs> I while doing this and. You could buy the seven film collection for fifteen ninety nine on Amazon. Oh my god! I've seen all seven films and I, they all hold 
some sort of special place in my heart. They're not all good movies. No. But the first one wasn't a good movie. I, I think the first one, don't get me wrong. Okay. I know I just said the first that, one is a good movie. I'm gonna the first one is a good movie. It's a great I think the second one is a good it's movie. It's a great sci-fi movie, but like not a good movie. You know what I mean? It's, you can have a great movie not being a good it movie. It is a good They're B, cult it, is classics, a, it is a great B movie. Yeah. Absolutely. B, B movie. Great love, creature features. I love, I love Tremors. I Tremors love is great feature one. creatures. I don't really remember the second one besides What'd you say? The Shriekers? Yeah. The little dog things. I remember them running around, heat seeking and eating things. But Because, oh, they, they you know, in the first one, they could climb on top of buildings or on rocks and get away from them. But can't get away from them walking ones. Yeah, because the walking ones are heat seekers. You got to hide your heat. Are there eventually flying ones and stuff? In part three, they fly. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it. so the sequels kind of talk about like their life cycle, like how these things are able to reproduce and whatnot. So like the worms... They're like the final product. The Shriekers, that's how they kind of reproduce. The Flying Ones is where they go, spread themselves, lay the eggs, and die, and then they became the worms again. So that's kind of like the oh, life cycle okay. explained. Is like that makes That's how they're sense. able to spread. It makes sense, but also- They I fly, don't... lay eggs to become worms? So worm, small one, they, They've based flyer. it all- Well, each one is kind of interesting because they base it off something in I didn't nature. Ask. I didn't ask. I was about to say, like- <laughs> This made, is where it, the sci-fi element comes in. Like, they base it off something in nature, and that's why- That's that's what I was saying. It, it makes sense, but also, I do not care that I know that now. <laughs> This is all for your Tremors fans out there. I got you, baby. I got I, you. I, I so, when you re, so when you re-listen to this to uh, know something you already know. Okay, we got covered the Tremors fans. All right. Kyle, it's your turn. It is my turn, yes. And then? So this is a movie that is near and dear to my heart. The reason I picked it is because me and my best friend used to watch this all the time. And then we used to run around and I guess, you know, mock n- not really mock, that's the wrong word. Please tell me it's Men in Black. It's not. Oh, damn it, because me and my friend used to do that. We used to go around that's, and um, yeah. impersonate impersonate the aliens in this movie. And it is Tim Burton's 1996 Mars Attacks. <laughs> <laughs> what a good <laughs> what a good pick what a good cast in this movie oh too. oh my god the cast is incredible and i'll start start the cast here and say <laughs> no me and my best all friend, the martians <laughs> we used to run around doing that all the time and people would just be like, what the fuck are you guys doing you idiots but no yeah this movie is absolutely fantastic it's like Right when Tim Burton really started to hit his stride, become really popular, everybody wanted to be in his movies. And he got to do weird shit. Like, he finally got, he got to step out of, like, and like, oh, I'm just going to do, like, a passion project and do something real off the walls. So, a little bit of the cast, and then I'll tell you a little bit about the movie. You got Jack Nicholson, Jack Black, Annette Bening, Danny DeVito, Pierce Brosnan, Natalie Portman, Glenn Close, Sarah Jessica Parker, uh, Martin Short. Michael J. Fox. I'm not there yet on IMDb. <laughs> Christina Applegate, my Welsh prince, Tom Jones, Michael J. Fox, and Ray J. <laughs> so, Mars Attacks, it is exactly what it sounds like. These aliens come down to Earth and they attack Earth. They're trying to take over. Um, what's his name? Jack Nicholson plays the president and he's just this. 
fucking whack job president that and some he, hippie in Las Vegas too, right? He is. He he plays uh, a a guy trying to get a casino built, <laughs> where he's wearing a really long wig and a cowboy hat and these big glasses, and he's just he's trying to be diplomatic with the aliens and everything, but at every turn. The aliens stab him in the back by like shooting a secretary of state or vice president or whatever. And then he's like, no, but we can work with them. We can work with them. And yeah, it, there, there's really not much more to the movie besides Martians coming attack. There's a weird like Sarah Jessica Parker gets her head removed and put on a chihuahua's body at one point. I'm and like- then Pierce Brosnan, <laughs> who is a newscaster, news anchor, whatever, he gets his taken off and put in a um like a water glass bottle, sort of like in Futurama, how like Nixon's mm-hmm. head is preserved. Yeah. And they fall in love, and there's a scene that f- cracks me up every time where they realize they're falling in love, and then she's on the dog, he's in this weird glass bottle, and the ship's rolling around, but they're trying to kiss at the same time. Like this movie, it's weird, it's quirky, it's everything in peak Tim Burton time that you could want. My favorite, so like the most memorable part of this movie is how they kill the or how they were able to like stop the aliens and kill them because it is. So stupid. And I just remember specifically, like, what's happening? It's like, only you. And they're like, head, heads blow up inside their glass domes. It's so stupid. I think why this movie works so well is that it takes every cliche from like 1950s alien B movie and then just, well, obviously it was a comic book too, but it just mixes it with like 90s filmmaking. Oh, yeah. And the two, for some reason, just mesh so well. It's the corniness with the corniness. Yeah, it's just, that just two levels it of it. It makes it so good. I uh, no thought, no no comments. Perfect ten, good for. I'm so happy you surprised me on I this am, day. I am happy with everybody's pick. Everybody's pick today, ten out of ten. We're so good at our job. Ten points. To- <laughs> we're, we're, we're getting so good. We do. We do things well now. Look at this. All right. So because we're doing kind of a shorter on the real episode, in lieu of doing a lightning round, we are going to do a added hot take. Of another childhood horror slash sci-fi, depending on how you want to look at it, we're going to come back and talk about Multiverse of Madness. Welcome back. So this is going to be heavily spoiler ridden. So please, if you have not seen Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, we appreciate your listenership, but stop because I'm going to ruin it for you. Get out now. Get or, out. or just put the podcast on mute and listen to the whole thing so we still get paid for the episode. <laughs> also that, I think we're at a whole 50 cents now. So, uh, so Yeah, so do that for us. Thanks. Cool. So... <laughs> Like I said, tying it into this week's theme of like childhood horror slash childhood sci-fi, uh, Doctor Strange: The Multiverse of Madness has everything. We all uh, we all saw it together because I invited them. Unlike when they saw Mean Girls. Yeah, and then he also got us a standard showing that was not a standard showing. It was in 3D, so we all had to sit there with our stupid, <laughs> that shit was wild, stupid it was glasses. Fucking, it was crazy. <laughs> I, I will like, say 3D's come a long way. It was. Like it's 3D. so much better now. It, the 3D. I will say I was really worried about getting sick or something going on. It was pretty well done. 
Yeah. And maybe that was just like they took into account that there was going to be so much graphics that they had to be like they had to pick and choose what they were going to make 3D to make it not make you vomit. I I like the 3D now that like when it first started coming out for like mainstream theaters that there was always those moments where like things jumped out at you and like Oh yeah. It looked like Shrek was trying to and grab you like in my like bloody that. valentine when the tits were 3d and they were bouncing and out yeah, of the screen that. yeah very but I we like, talked yeah. about that before <laughs> I, I like 3d now where it's just depth you see the whole depth of everything you know dr strange america chavez are in the forefront but then you see everything going on behind them for mile whatever you know I like the depth of three. I want to say I that honestly it, did not do that on purpose. Though. I, no, I want to say it kind of added an extra element to the movie that I enjoyed. There I, was only I was oh, I was only worried at the very beginning, that first scene where the first Doctor Strange you see and America Chavez are running through that, that one, area. Yeah. It was moving so quickly that because of the three D, it didn't really focus. I'm like, the whole movie's going to be like this. But it, it honestly wasn't. Uh, the hardest part, I thought, was uh, when America and him are going through all of the different multiverses it, or universes, it was hard, to, uh, again, to focus with yeah. the 3D because they they went through like 10 different ones. And at one point, I'm like, okay, they're cartoon. And everyone's like, oh, that was the Disney universe. I'm like, you could that that red because yeah. I couldn't like I, I, I couldn't tell that. everything they were doing. Um, So. My hot take on this really quickly is, you know what? Sam Raimi does an Evil Dead movie right. It wasn't the Army of Darkness sequel we wanted, but it was the Army of Darkness sequel we deserved. It had all the main bullet points. Demonic book. De- uh, demon possession. Check. Uh Oh, like, which creative kills. Very creative kills. Yeah. I will say they did not hold, they did not pull any punches with any of the deaths in this movie. Oh, yeah. And uh, uh, Bruce Campbell beating himself up with his own hand. So (laughs) it it had all of the main tropes of an Evil Dead movie, and I was happy for it. Sam Raimi brought Bruce Campbell back just so he could beat the shit out of himself. That was a fantastic (laughs) credit. What I wanted, I knew there was going to be a Bruce Campbell cameo. I knew there was. I wanted him to be a different universe's Doctor Strange for like five minutes and then Doctor Strange would be like, nope, and just like jumping into a different universe. That would have been a lot funnier, even well, though I'm not That's what I it. wanted because I definitely a champion of Bruce Campbell, so I was like, I think he deserves to be a variant of his, Doctor his Strange. His actual cameo in the movie was not great, just the hot dog vendor or whatever yeah. the fuck <laughs> he was, but that end credit scene was very funny. I will say it's probably my favorite end credit scene for any Marvel movie. And I think I'm I'm a little biased just because it was Bruce Campbell and I thought that was hilarious. Yeah. So, yeah, hot take. Wanda's crazy, wants to kidnap America Chavez so that she can go to a different universe and kidnap her kids so that she can live with her kids. But she doesn't want to just have her send her there. She wants to keep or take her power that she has to kill her for. So that way, if they get sick or something, they can always go to a different universe for a cure. That was a specific plot point line in that movie. And I was like, that makes no sense. It was like, there were very terrifying kind of visuals, like specifically when she's like crawling out of the mirror dimension, when she spoiler alert, snaps Patrick Stewart's neck. At one point, she's like a full, full blown mind demon. There was a, a like the, a lot of like horror elements, which I liked, but for a Disney Marvel studio film, I'm like, for what kids? It wasn't. It, it, it wasn't, and I'm fine with that. But it was definitely the most horror 
type film, air quotes, that Marvel has put out so far. There was scarier moments, and you know, I'm not jumping out of my seat scary, but there was some terrifying-ish moments with Wanda. And the jump scares. There were like there two. There was a few. There was a few for sure. But yeah, it was it was a movie. What was nice is like, <clears throat> obviously you have Sam Raimi's style. And what was cool to see is, on top of obviously the Bruce Campbell cameos, was just the typical Sam Raimi crazy camera angles and camera movements yeah. that you get to see. I was all about that. There were a lot of really cool, like, every, like, costume change that Doctor Strange had into, like, his cape and suit were very cool. Uh, Wanda's makeup, like, they kind of did her dirty to, like, kind of kind of show like oh she's evil now and it's like she had like all the heavy eye like sunken eye makeup stuff it's like uh agatha harkness didn't have that when she was possessed by the dark hold (laughs) i didn't i wish that they like story-wise i wish they could have like shown a little bit more of her progression into being consumed by the evil of the dark hold because it literally for as long of a movie as it was they packed so much in and they basically go from with maybe like 15 minutes in and then it's just on like Donkey Kong. And from the moment she is there, she is evil. Yeah. And then I feel like the ending, they buttoned it up way too quick. It was just like, oh, this evil has been consuming me for so long. But like, I'm just going to see this second, this thing for three seconds. And then, OK, I'm going to collapse Mount Wondergore, which is also a huge comic plot point, by the way. And then kill myself, even though she didn't kill herself because you see her use her magic and she can teleport. So I was going through the whole movie. I was saying this is top five Marvel. This is a great movie. Fantastic. Once Zombie Strange came into it and that end conflict, I felt I thought that was extremely cheesy. I I thought the ending really tapered, tapered off poorly. It was really lackluster. It, it wasn't the ending was not that good for the rest of the movie. It seemed really out of place yeah. because like they made her this giant formidable thing and they were searching for that book of Ashanti for the entire movie. And then one page burned out. I'm like, oops, okay, I guess we got to try something else. Like if there are multiple, if the, if the dark hold has an origin and has multiple copies that she's able to destroy multiple versions throughout the entire multiverse, also a weird like not plot point the one copy of the book of ashanti with the one missing page is the only one there's no other thing like i feel like that whole search was kind of lame they could have instead of been like searching for that book they could have been searching for like oh a different doctor strange that maybe beat wanda and like or knows how to like reprogram her or do something that could have been the bruce campbell one and it could have been the bruce campbell one (laughs) Um, I really tried so hard. Like we went and saw it on what Saturday. Yeah, I tried really hard not to see any spoilers. Like I did not look at TikTok because fuck you TikTok for ruining everything. I didn't look at anything, and somehow I still got the cameos like like spoiled for me. I, I knew. Luckily, everything. I did not. I did not, and it would have like I'm not like Frankie. I don't cheer in movies or clap at the end of it. <laughs> No. Oh, oh god! I did People. not clap at the end of that movie. Not no. that movie, but you said you said that you were a notorious clapper at the end of movies. someone. Appla- no, that wasn't me. That was you. So I'm gonna, stick, I'm, I'm gonna stick by it. But when John when John Krasinski came yeah. out as Mister Fantastic, people clapped in the was, theater, and I was so upset because I, I already a, knew about. I it. gave a little whoop 
Whoop! Whoop! Yeah, you get excited. I thought the Illuminati was great. Bring back Black Bolt from... uh, It was the same cast for Eternals. Eternals. No, not Eternals. Um, uh, yeah, the oh in, no, in it humans, was the Inhumans in from so, ABC Inhumans, and then having Captain Carter in there from uh, what if what if, and then having Monica Rambeau like a different version of her from Captain Marvel, which they didn't. The, it wasn't the same cast for Monica Rambeau. She did not look like the same one from WandaVision, or was it? I didn't think it was. I don't know. I'd have to go back and look. She was a different uh, variant, but I thought that was so cool having the Illuminati in it. But like they did the. F- and Illuminati dirty. <laughs> like, they punked them really hard. Real hard. So, like, it was like, oh, we're well, here. We are, they kind of we presented the- themselves as like these this uppity arrogant, they this were uppity arrogant entity yeah. and they got what was coming to them just because they were so The arrogant. fact that we didn't even see, get to see John Krasinski as Mr. Incredible fight at all. He, well, he tried. He, was he so stretched when he though. landed, he and then he up as ribbons. And, well, he, like, he, and then introduces him, he introduces himself as the smartest man in the universe, and the biggest weapon that they have. He reveals the weakness to Wanda right away yeah. by saying, "Hold on, hold this on, this guy hold on. like I just w- whispers and can kill you." Yeah, I I want to talk about that whole like this is going to be like the last big chunk I talk about because this was my favorite part because of just how quick it was and how just like it was very impactful for the plot. Um, so Ansel Adams, I think it's his last name, uh, from the Inhumans. I'm so happy that they, he was the one in the Inhuman show and they just brought him back for this to do a comically accurate costume and they showed him use his powers and they killed the Doctor Strange variant. And I was like, neat. Cause they, the words he says, I'm sorry. And it just blows him up. And then. What a terrible way to go. They could have just done something else with him. And so when they, <laughs> they go did, to the Illuminati. did the Illuminati f- Dirt. When they go to, like, when they're talking to Doctor Strange, he's like, oh, like, Wanda is coming, blah, blah, blah. And Monica Rambo is like, we'll handle your little witch, like, whatever. I'm like, or even if she tries to dream walk, I'm like, so they know that, like, this, like, they know that she's powerful, but they were, like you said, they were all so arrogant, just like, oh, we're the Illuminati, which I guess is kind of the point, because the Illuminati in general, the whole concept of it is that they're just uppity and up their own ass and they, yeah, ignorant. But that whole f***ing Quick. what mouth, and you just see him go, and his head pop like a grape. I laughed. Like, I went in the theater, like, laughed so hard. And then, like, Captain Carter got split in half, and, like... They didn't pull any punches with the death, so that's why I will give this movie the, the mad props. Creative like, kills. All the kills in this movie are fantastic. That's what I thought made this movie good. I didn't think it was a great movie. I so I agree. Like I was let down because I don't know. I I I liked all the graphics. I liked what they were trying to do. Story wise, I really wish that they had just explained more about how the Darkhold was screwing with her. Because then they could have done that at the end, as opposed to just oh, she scared the variant kids and then gives up immediately. It was all very kind of cheap. Oh, and suddenly America knows how to use her powers by just punching stars at and her. Believing in herself. I love that character. Oh, it's not not a, not a knock was, not a knock at the character. I loved <laughs> America Chavez. I I love how much she was in the movie because the thing that and hopefully Disney, Marvel, Star Wars, any movies really coming forward, take a book or take a page out of this book of you could not tell what the movie was by the trailer. And that's the first time that's happened yeah. in a while. You did not, from the trailer, 
America Chavez was not in it a nope. lot. You did not see that Wanda was the villain by any means, which was awesome making her the villain. There's people. It was out a there surprise that, for me. There was people. There's people out there that are like, oh, they killed her whole story arc in WandaVision. Like, not really. She's still grieving just because she doesn't have vision. And she got the she got, got the, the dark, dark hold, hold, and they show she, her using it, and obviously something's up. She's extremely grieving because she had kids. Now doesn't. Made up kids and was happy about it. Well, it doesn't have the kids. This is not an original thought, but I thought it was funny. It was a meme saying that when you explain a movie plot badly, it's like when you create kids in The Sims and they die, so you start killing people in real life. (laughs) (laughs) So, and that was something that I thought, like, they could have, again, they could have, if they had explained how the Darkhold was with her, then they could have done, like, Cathan or Mephisto at the end and how they had to beat that villain, like create a a new big bad at the end to eliminate to then fix it as opposed to just be like, show her that she's scaring her kids and then she's still going to be sad and go away. They also missed an opportunity by not having white vision in it. Because there's, uh, there's only because he, so he does fly away. He d- he flies away at the right? end of WandaVision. I'm and sure if, he'll be back. And but now that he has visions like memories and everything, he could have gone and been like, "I'm here, and we can do this together." Like they they just missed a lot of opportunities to make it a bit a they, stronger plot. They didn't even mention Vision at all. Like no. Wanda didn't even care about Vision I, anymore in but, the movie. No, she did. She was like, "I ripped the, I ripped a stone, or I blew my our Vision's head off, and it meant nothing." But it was like. Yeah, they did. I was like, well, there's so many universes like Vision's got to be alive in one of them, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I the my favorite part was probably when Professor X rolls up and it did the music. I was like, oh, my kid, my kid brain. I was there for Patrick Stewart. That was probably one of his original yellow hover chair. I wanted to see that since the first X Men movie. Oh, and from and they they showed him doing the hand head thing, which they do in the old comic, but they didn't do in any of the other X Men movies. You know, they did that. So they did that justice. Like I love that. So I just said that the trailer was good because it didn't give away i still wish they didn't show him at all or the illuminati at all so spoilers that, yeah so that that like again the trailer was really good because it it kept out major plot points it kept out major storyline stuff but like to not even go in there knowing because of course you see him you see in the trailer what's his name modor yeah um like Doctor Strange's old friend. Like it's some it's like oh, yeah. yeah, it starts yeah. with an M. I can't remember. Whatever it's M- Modor. <laughs> whatever his name is. But when like in the trailer it says the Illuminati will see you now, like I wish they would still just keep that out. Because as soon as you hear that, you're going, Okay, who's in the Illuminati? You have an inhuman, you have per, uh Professor X, Mr. Incredible's always in there. Um, Mr. Fantastic. Mr. Fantastic. Not incredible. <laughs> They're watching a lot of different Pixar. franchise. Different a lot franchise. Of Pixar. Mordo. Mordo. Um, you know, you have. Um, oh, shit. I can't remember the name. Captain Marvel. No. Uh, Superior Iron Man, which people were thinking. But these are all like rumors that were going around. Obviously, Iron Man wasn't in it. But you start thinking who could be in the Illuminati because they've mentioned it. Oh, you know, I had my little Tom Cruise flag in my pocket. Yeah, also, I know that was a rumor, but also, I was like, and I wasn't expecting it to be true, but I still had my little Tom Cruise the cool, flag ready Show to go. the cool action scenes in it. Show the key points for, like, Doctor Strange. But all that extra shit keep out. Still, trailer was really good. 
Also, I don't really understand. Uh, they never explain like why using the dark hold makes you have a third eye. It's weird. Yeah, and that's a weird CGI third eye that didn't look right. And yeah. then, spoiler alert again, they bring Clea in from the uh, dark dimension to say, "Oh, an incursion's happening." <laughs> yeah, Charlize Theron can still get it, and I'm happy that I'm happy that they keep bringing in like. A different new person into these different parts like eventually every blockbuster that's ever existed is gonna be in these movies i'm glad that they got america chavez in it and the last thing before i officially put this topic to bed when those kids and started singing about ice cream i literally sank into my chair and i my skin crawled and i looked at my dad who my dad doesn't watch these movies, but he went with us. And I look at him, and he, like, I could see the light leaving his eyes. I thought he was dying. It was so... The, we want ice cream! It was... I... Yeah, I know. I was... I, like, my skin crawled, and I was like, I so cringy for no reason. I was like, this is... Oh, Frankie light bulb! It was it was, it was one of the scenes where Wanda goes to the other Wanda in the other multiverse. And yeah, like, I was like, "We want ice cream. If he gets ice cream, I get ice cream. Can we have some ice cream?" But it's like, a Whoa. slow. It was a slow ballad version. I was like, they fucking did Wicked and Speed so wrong. No, those uh, after that, the kids deserve to die. Yeah. <laughs> Very much just like, girl, You're just like, let... You're like, God, Wanda is a bad guy for wanting these kids to be real. Let the e- let <laughs> the evil Wanda just have them and kill them. It's fine. <laughs> Alright, so that's all I last, have to say about last it. Last little snippet. One out of ten. What do you think? I would say a solid, a solid seven. That was the first number that came to mind for me. It was a seven. I'll stick with like, that. Like again, if they had uh, if they had just done a little more plot, it would have been a ten out of ten. It's graphics, direction, acting, deaths, deaths, and cameos. Deaths, cameos, and um, character work. I would say ten, but it literally plot was the only part that screwed with. Yeah, me. I I would probably give it. I want to I want to give it an eight, but I don't because the ending was so lackluster. So I'll probably give it like a seven, eight. The whole scene when she was attacking Comertage, I was like, where did they get these magic guns from? I want a magic cannon. And they her up, like hit her at point blank range. And all she had to do was mentally run into that dude's ear. And somehow the entire shield fell off because you just hit people? Yeah. Have you yeah. ever seen Harry Potter and Deathly Hallows? He played an important part breaks. of the shield. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. do you think uh, this is like a it's a loaded question, and I'll be done after this. Has Marvel peaked? No. Uh, I'm gonna wishfully say no. Uh, here is what it would I be. want them to come, to keep coming out with gold. I'm excited for this new phase for everything they're bringing. I'm excited for Thor Love and Thunder in a way I didn't think it was going to be. I'm excited for Ant-Man 3. I love the Ant-Mans. Thor Love and Thunder, Black Panther 2. I'm excited to see what they do with that with the passing of Chadwick Boseman. Uh, Boseman? Boseman. Chadwick Boseman. Um, So they have not peaked. They're still ramping it up. if, If they do Fantastic Four and X-Men right I will continue to give them my money. Fantastic but, Four has to be 
finally done correctly. Well, what they're basically, all the incursions and everything, they're leading it up to be, have Doctor Doom, or it's like Superior Doom, or whatever the hell his name is, as like the big bad. And because Kang the Conqueror is, what, a descendant of Reed Richards? They're, that's how they're trying to tie in Fantastic Four. And since they're finally starting to like get X-Men stuff involved, they're gonna like I think they're casting the new X-Men movie. And I it just depends on how they do it because it's they're mining all of the good dirt really early. And so they're keep having to pick the way more obscure things that are kind of hard to put to film. So I'm worried. Will I still give them my money? Yeah. Whenever I officially Blade. whenever I finally have kids, I'll like I will probably take my kids to see these movies, but I don't know. I think we hit a golden age and now we're kind of in a lull and a golden age has to happen again to keep. I think that's the best way to put it. I will. Like you said, I find the movies entertaining. I'm really excited about blade. That was one of my favorite childhood movies. Uh, thought about, you know, picking it for the horror, but I didn't, but, uh, now let's see what happens. You know, I think let's see what happens, but I don't think I'll be the guy that says that they've peaked yet or not, but I was just, thought the question was worth asking because it's been circulating the internet for I'm not sure gonna, yeah i'm not gonna be a contrarian and be like oh disney disney sucks marvel is oh over, no blah, blah, blah. i mean we all saw sony's attempt at morbius so no we all haven't seen i haven't that. seen that yet <laughs> yeah me neither i've just seen the weird dude dance fighting and it was enough for me all right so uh thank you for uh my week topic and the little quick Quick recap of Multiverse of Madness. Uh, like and subscribe our stuff on Twitter. Give us some ideas because I think the next idea is Frankie's Ooh. to do. So uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Yes, Let us know Frankie what's told on. me already that it's only movies that involve incest. So look forward to that. <laughs> I started searching Pornhub and I was like, these are the movies that we'll pick from. Oh, no, what you need to do (laughs) is you need to do porn parody movies, and then you have to do, like, the movies that it's based off of, because there are a lot. (laughs) All jokes, all jokes, folks, all jokes. But, uh, yeah, thanks a lot for listening. Yeah, thanks, guys. Uh, It's much appreciated, and uh, it's always fun to hear your feedback, definitely in person, when we talk about the episode. Yep, like and subscribe. And we'll get at you next time, cinephiles. Okay, bye.